IndieCast is presented by Uproxx's Indie Mixtape. Hello everyone and welcome to IndieCast. On this show we talk about the biggest indie news of the week. We review albums and we hash out trends. In this episode we talk about some big new album announcements and the 2024 nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. My name is Stephen Hyden, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, he really loves the new Idols video, Ian Cohen. Ian, how are you? I like how we're starting off this episode, like, not even at all being sarcastic. I just really, really like this Idols video. I mean, like, it really uh, speaks to all things that I love, you know, AI deep fakes. This made me think of, like, last week, how you thought uh, the the AI video for Mannequin Pussy was, like, going to sink their album release. Like, I already forgot about this. We're already we're already off AI and into, like, uh, deep fakes of uh, Coldplay Parachute songs. Can we, yeah, can we so, just assume that people haven't seen this video yet? It's amazing. Yeah, well, so... Yeah, there's a video out this week. It's uh, for the latest Idol single called Grace. And uh, it's an AI deepfake video uh, based on the video for Yellow, the Coldplay video from, you know, God, almost 25 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And in the video, you see Chris Martin on that beach and he's lip syncing, but it's not lip syncing to Yellow. It's lip syncing to this kind of crappy Idol song. And, uh, by the way, the Idols album is out today, and in true Idols fashion, it's uh, annoying to pronounce. Uh, It's Tank, I think? T-A-N-G-K. I'm going to assume that's what it is. Every time I look up uh, that word, like maybe it's like a Welsh word or something like that, I either get the Idols album or like, you know, showing results for Tango. <laughs> so, you know, you and I were talking this week about, you know, what was going to be on the show and you brought up idols and like should we talk about idols and I was like, you know, we we've, we've said our piece on idols in the past. We're not fans. We don't need to beat this dead horse. We don't have to keep taking shots at idols. But then they dropped this video and I'm like, okay, we have to talk about yeah. this at least a little bit. Uh did you see that video? Uh, also from this album cycle, like where they're all wearing the suits and they're kind of dancing. Yes, I did. Oh my God. That is so annoying. Yeah. This band. So they're working with Nigel Godrich on this record. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of like they're, we're throwing out the formula here and we're going to make kind of like a dancey, funky hip hop inspired, inspired record. Uh, and in true idols fashion, it is the perfect bad idea, you know, like, <laughs> This band has bad ideas, and they commit to them, and this is like the perfect bad idea for the fourth record. Like, oh yeah, let's hire not, you know, we're this sort of screamy, post-punk band, you know, very guttural singer. Let's now put on some suits and slip in some, like, you know, break beats or whatever, and we're going to make our Octune Baby <laughs> type record. Um I don't know. I, I, I haven't listened deep to this record. I'm not going to give a definitive review, but I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan of this band. Yeah, I, I also think that it's funny. They, they did this for their song Grace because I think of this Coldplay song Shiver, which sounds like a deep fake version of Jeff Buckley's Grace. So we're really mm. through the looking glass here, people. But yeah, Idols, man, like, 
I almost admire just how committed they are to their bad ideas. I mean, they made a album with like Kenny Beats before, so they were trying to do that hip hop album. Um, they're always going to bring something new to the table. It's never going to be just like okay, idols. We think they're whack. They're doing their thing. Nah, they they. It's so interesting how they are like one of the few band. Like they're they're probably the band that most people expect us to like because so much of what they do. Uh, kind of panders to people are like people our age who haven't really kept up with indie rock over the past ten years or so. It's like wh- why aren't there rock bands anymore? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> where, where are the real rock bands? And then oh, here's this band from England that shouts a lot, and the guitar player has a silly mustache. Yeah. Like they rock. Nice masculinity. It would be a shame if somebody subverted it. <laughs> So anyway, I don't know. I'm sure we got some Idols fans in the audience who are not happy about this. I'm sorry. Hope you enjoyed this record. I think Kenny Beats is involved in this album as so well. LCD Sound System, I think, is involved too. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Just the hits just keep on coming. Um let's do a quick sports cast here. Of course, the Super Bowl last weekend. Uh congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Condolences to the San Francisco 49ers. Um I thought it was a, a great game. I know people didn't like the first three quarters. They thought it was boring. I was glued to the game the entire time. I don't know if I'm just like a slut for football, and I, I'll, I'll just take any you know garbage that they serve me, but I was super into it. I, how, did you like the game? I, you're a college football guy, so maybe you felt... Did you think it was boring? I mean, it, 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 I think it was like the quintessential... NFL game of this past year in that it was close which could fool you into thinking it was good um I mean I watched the whole time don't don't get me wrong but um I'm just I was just taken aback at how closely it hewed to the predictions that I made about like you know I was gonna say you (laughs) nailed it You, you said it'd be a close game yeah and that the Chiefs would win in annoying fashion with Travis Kelsey I think you said he'd have more than 10 catches which he didn't quite hit 10. I think he had nine catches for 93 Yeah, yards. he was nothing in the first half. And I'm like, just like, just, just you watch. Like, I would, I, like, every five minutes, like, me turning to my wife saying, like, Travis Kelsey's going to, Travis Kelsey's going to catch this touchdown. Uh, the only thing that I, you know, the only thing that I missed out on is, like, I, I told her, like, um, as they were driving, it's like, Travis Kelsey's going to catch this touchdown. And it didn't happen. But... Some uh, some rando wide receiver, McCole Hardman, shout to him, Georgia dog, uh, you know, stepped up in the end. But yeah, I mean, it was it's just the grim inevitability of it all. Like when you give Pat Mahomes the ball back for like the final drive, like it, there's just nothing you can do. It's 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 yeah. very Tom Brady. It's very uh, you know Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and you know these people who you used to think like, wow, that's a really cool story. Um, it just becomes like so inevitable. It's really hard to root for them. You know, I know a lot of people aren't going to like the Chiefs now because you know they've won three Super Bowls in you know five years. I I can't bring myself to dislike them. I still like the Chiefs. I like Patrick Mahomes. I have a weakness for seeing great athletes be great and knowing that I get to see it in the moment. Like I thought it was cool. Seeing Tom Brady, you know, have a comeback victory against the Falcons where it's 28-3. to Even though, like, I went into that game 
not wanting them to win, I was like, I'm seeing something incredible here. So I appreciate that kind of like historical moment aspect of this kind of thing. And I just like Patrick Mahomes' game. He's a very fun player. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Like he he like in all other circumstances, I would think like this is so fucking cool. He does like he is like not at all game manager. He does like the most ridiculous things and you know, it's great. It's almost like Steph Curry. Like that's the kind of the way I think about it, where it's like what you're seeing is completely unprecedented and you know, you really want to like root for them, but there's just such a three quarter fleece zip up tech bro kind of thing going on here. It's not, yeah, it's I mean, cool. It's not swaggy though. Yeah. He's not cool at all. Like you see him in interviews yeah. and yeah, he's like kind of a nerdy guy. I mean, I'm saying this <laughs> multi Super Bowl winning quarterback is a nerdy guy. I'm saying this as a music critic podcaster. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe not the best uh, word to use. I can't even hate Travis Kelsey really, even though he almost, you know, murdered Andy Reid on the sidelines during the game, and even though you know the Taylor Swift stuff is very overbearing at this point. Have you ever listened to the podcast that he does with Jason Kelsey? I've heard of it, but like this week we we kind of brushed up on his. Um reality dating show from 2016 which i've not seen oh. have, are you familiar with this no i'm not okay so it was a show um catching kelsey uh, and it's from 2016 <laughs> he looks a lot more like lance from the other two at that time which i i really do i really hope that show like comes out and says yeah that's who we were going for here but yeah he goes from state to state uh trying like dating a woman and like you see a uh, scene on a football field where they all kind of like you know crowd him out and no i mean it's not like a secret and it's not like it's bad or whatever that yeah it, it nothing cancelable happens but it's just like you would think more people would be talking about that you know just in terms of like what kind of person he is because one thing that i i heard um from people it's like you know i never heard him talk before (laughs) you know he did the uh viva las vegas thing and it's like oh right he's the uh you know to steal a line from like chapo here he's like the guy who would wear all blue carolina blue and one basketball gear (laughs) you know he's like that kind of guy yeah i mean on his podcast with Jason Kelsey, it did make me like I've, I I was dipping into it uh, the last week or two, and it did make me like him more just because I think the dynamic with his brother, like Jason Kelsey's awesome. that guy rules. He's a cool dude. He's like the jock in high school that is on the football team, but he's also like in the theater department, and he's also like friends like with the the math nerds and the goth kids like he can hang with anybody like he's kind of like the president of the school but like you can't hate him because he's just such a likable dude that that's like jason kelsey and he kind of brings that out of travis when they're on their show so i can't even really hate him can't hate the chiefs um i do hate the 49ers i've said that many times on the show but you know brock purdy played well hats off to him i will disagree with that Um, I think. Oh, you don't think he? Pl- I think Brock. Purdy, I maybe I had low expectations, but like he didn't screw up though. I thought he would throw like a pick six or something. So I, I love that at the end. It's like Brock Purdy isn't a game manager; he's a game executive now. And also, like, oh, get, yeah, that, get, yeah. yeah, executives like meaning like we have no fucking idea what they do, but they get paid a lot of money. But like, 
I mean, he did incredible on that first drive, but like for the rest of the game, you could just get the sense it's like, man, if they had Jimmy Garoppolo or even like a Jared Goff, they'd be up by like two touchdowns because every throw he makes that's like longer than five yards is like uh it's like a backyard duck, you know? It's like that that would be intercepted if it wasn't thrown ten yards out of bounds. Yeah. Well, look, we're gonna have many, many months to litigate and relitigate Brock Purdy. I think this is going to be like <laughs> a staple yes. of sports talk <laughs> uh, for, for many months in the offseason and into uh, next season. Um, let's pivot off of SportsCast and do a quick fantasy update here. Um, BJ Iyer. BJ Iyer Gate. Mm. I'm going to call it that. Still not showing up on Metacritic. This is like the, uh, uh, you know, the D.B. Cooper if you will, of albums for us in the fantasy draft. Do you know D do you know DB Cooper? Is this reference flying by you? Uh yeah, I do. And it was also referenced on the uh, Glass Beach song Rare Animal. I think of it more along the lines okay. of like uh Fran Vasquez from the NBA draft. The Magic picked him with like the eleventh pick and he never played in the NBA. Okay, so Fran so Fran Vasquez, DB Cooper, I was thinking because DB Cooper jumped off the plane <laughs> and then disappeared forever. I feel like DJ Iyer, this album came out and for whatever reason it never landed on Metacritic. So this album's getting good reviews. Uh, I've seen reviews uh, pop up here and there. But do you want to pick something else? I think we're at that point now. I, I think it's only fair. So I could pick something, but like I don't. I, I feel like that would be a little unfair. So I, I'll give you the option. Do you want me to pick one, or can I give you options and you pick it for me? Well, look, I you. Look, the Faye Webster thing. Okay. You you let me just put that in. So I don't feel like I need to pick it. If you want me to pick it, I'll pick it. But if you just want to pick something you want, you can do it. Because I owe you a solid from Faye Webster. Okay. So I'm going to go with... Um... I'm gonna. Uh, I was thinking between Kim Gordon, uh, that would be a good one. I think that that's like kind of getting a lot of traction. More Mother, that's another kind of classic. But I'm gonna go with Jalen. Um, she she is a uh, kind of a footwork techno artist um, from Gary, Indiana. Uh, Philip Glass, mm. I think, is on her new album, which comes out mm. March 22nd. Um, huh. always well reviewed. I think that's. I feel that's a pretty safe pick. Also, and it kind of gets into the. It's not jazz, obviously, but like it's still kind of like highbrow uh, in its own way. So we're going to go so, with that. Are you just being nice to me? Because we're going to talk about this in our next segment. There is a new Vampire Weekend album coming out. Like, you don't want that? That's out next quarter, though. Oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, okay. That's out I, 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 and I think Beyonce should just be like off limits. So, oh, no, Beyonce's on the board. Everything's on the board. I mean, if you could pick, you were allowed to do the uh, the 1989 redo. So Beyonce is definitely on the board. That's going to be probably the number one prospect for the second quarter draft here. Yeah. Well, so March 29th is when the um, is when Beyonce comes out. That's still Q1. I'm gonna ooh. I'm gonna pass on it. Just out of the like, not out of just kind of out of kindness in my own heart. I feel like it would be unfair. I feel like, you know, yeah, just that, the fact that I picked the jazz out, like I shouldn't be rewarded that much, you know, it's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. Okay. Okay. I was thinking that was next quarter, but yeah, you're right. It's right at the end 
of this quarter. There's also Adrienne Linker. Yes, that was another. That was another one I was thinking about. But I'm going to go with something that's kind of in the spirit of the one I chose before. Okay, so Jay Lynn yeah. comes out March 22nd. I was going to say Kim Gordon. That's like a 7.2 to me. Ooh. I feel like that's. I don't see it doing better than that. And of course, I say this without having heard the album. The f- but I just feel like you can look at it and go, that's a 7.2. I would disagree. No, no matter how good or bad it is, you think it, you think it could get into the 8s? Um, I'll tell you this much. Uh, the the first single was like kind of like a SoundCloud rap song. And it right. like people were really into that. <laughs> and um, you know, I think her last album uh, that came out in 2019 got Best New Music. It did. Um, so I wouldn't like Pete, Kim Gordon, like people, people, like, I, I think she's got some juice, but I'm going to go with Jalen. All right. All right. Good pick. Good pick. Um, all right. Well, let's get into our next segment here. There have been a lot of big album announcements in the past week. And, uh, I think it's been, it seems like a good opportunity to uh, talk about some of these records. I just, uh, let it slip what, the biggest one is, at least in our universe, which is uh, a new Vampire Weekend album. It's called... Uh, hold on a sec. I got lost here. There's a new Vampire Weekend album. It's called Only God Was Above Us. It's out April 5th. Um, the day that this podcast posts, there should be two new songs that are being debuted online. Uh, Ian, you haven't heard these songs yet. I have heard these songs. I... Uh, I do have a stream of the album that I've been listening to, and I really like this record. That's all I'll say for now, but I think it's a strong record. This is the first Vampire Weekend album in five years. Uh, The last one, of course, was Father of the Bride that came out in 2019. I was a big fan of that record. I think that record was generally well-received. I think that there were some people who maybe didn't like the turn toward more of like a crunchy, jammy sound on that record as opposed to the very sort of perfectly composed nature of like those first three vampire weekend records um where are you at with vampire weekend at the moment do you are you excited for this record what do you think this means does vampire weekend still have the same stature that they did you know in 2019 or before that where where do you stand on this band at the moment well i'm excited about this record uh because it's the first one that will have been released during the indie cast era I, I always like. Oh, yeah. I always like like <laughs> uh, like. Oh wait, we haven't talked about this band. It's going to also happen if and when Tame Impala puts out a new record because that Vampire can't... Weekends Indie Caster <laughs> has finally arrived. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, what, what a moment. Yeah. It, it's funny because I didn't see the kind of crunchy. Um, you know, Father of the Bride had a really horde tour type cover. I didn't see that as a surprise because I mentioned this on this. Uh, you know, on the pod before that, like Ezra reminds me a lot of like. You, you mentioned Jason Kelsey as like one of those guys who's both the, um, you know, on the football team, but also like student class president. And Ezra reminds me sort of of like the, the really popular kids in Jewish youth group who you couldn't hate because they were super nice. So and all those kids listen to like Dave Matthews band and fish uh, when I was growing up. So I'm not surprised by that turn. I like that album. I don't return to it super often. Contra is my favorite Vampire Weekend album. Maybe because it's the one that's like the kind of the uh, the black sheep of the bunch. I mean, relatively speaking. But I am very interested to see uh, where they stand in uh, 2024. Um, I think they've kind of transcended 
the, for lack of a better term, haters. Um, I don't think people are trying to like take them down for the same things they were in like 28 or 2008 or 2010. Uh, and I think there's my prediction is like, I'm, I'm expecting them to make like a really just kind of crafty album where it's like, Oh, vampire weekend doing their thing. It's great. Um, I think that they are still very much like pitchfork headliner, uh, type status in terms of how popular they are. I think that every, like, I don't think any of their albums is going to like greatly reduce or greatly expand their fan base, which I think is, you know, kind of perfect for where they're at. Yeah, I mean, they really seem like the like one of the rock bands, if I can put, because they are. A They're rock a rock band, band sure, but yeah. you know they, but they've also you know drifted into other areas of pop and R and B, and they're you know, very sonically adventurous. Um, they 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 do seem like a band that has transcended their era in a way that like a lot of those other bands haven't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to forget that like Vampire Weekend when they started out were. A blog rock band, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a big backlash against them, or part of the backlash against them initially was that people felt like, oh, they're getting way too much hype. You know, like all the blogs are just building this band up, and like, who are they? Like, why are they on magazine covers already? They haven't earned their stripes. And of course, their subsequent career has shown that they had legs and they could really uh, go the distance. That first record I've been listening to a lot lately related to something I'm uh, a project that I'm that I'm starting and uh that record holds up so well hmm. that is such a just charming totally just ingratiating debut album and the singles off of that I think are just unbelievable um and man I want to talk more about this record I, but I'm not going to but uh I don't know if you're a fan of the band mm-hmm. I think you should be excited I'll just say that I think Based on the spins I've done so far, I think that they've delivered on this album. Um, the next album is another album that we have both heard. And, look, I don't know how people feel about like critics talking about albums that are coming out in a few months and hyping them up. I feel like some people get annoyed by that. I don't really understand why, because I feel like critics, that's, that's what we do. We hear things first, and then we talk about them. Um I'm just going to say the new Dive record, which was just announced. It's being announced as we speak, I think. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's supposed, it was supposed to be announced on Thursday. I assume it's being announced. Uh, it's called Frog Boiling in Water. Kind of a weird title. This is maybe my favorite album I've heard this year. I think this record is great. We've talked about Dive on the show. And kind of looking at this year as maybe being a moment where, you know, this band is is loved by a lot of people, but I wonder if maybe they're going to be now sort of appreciated as like one of the like best indie bands of like the last 10 years. Um, I feel like this record that they're about to put out, uh, I believe it comes out in May, comes out in May, May 10th. Um, I think this record could do that. I like it a lot. And it, it feels like a record that is right for the moment. It really leans into like the shoegaze aspects of what Dive is. Maybe less so of like the dream pop type stuff. Um, I mean, there's like a song on here that I think literally quotes like a My Bloody yeah. Valentine song. Like it just the like single. takes the riff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is incredible. But I don't know. I, I, I like this record a lot. And uh, I think people are going to dig it once it comes out. Yeah, really well timed because it, it does kind of follow up more of what they were doing on Deceiver. It's 
you know, you could call it shoegaze, but there's, it's more kind of like a slow, not slow core like Duster, but the songs and the tempos are like slower and kind of grungier, which I mean, is great for a moment when like shoegaze and slow core are often used interchangeably. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, this is also the first dive album of the IndieCast era. And so, yes, yes, <laughs> 2000. That's right. It's because it, it's it's their because yeah their last record was 19. Deceiver that was 2019 yeah 2019 as well man the IndieCast <laughs> era finally coming into play in 2024 we've only been doing the show for four years but we're finally coming into our own in 2024 <laughs> but yeah I think this album is gonna be I I don't know if it's like gonna like push them like I don't know if this is gonna be like pushing them over the top but I think that the people who are like into this style of music are really gonna be uh like people have been just kind of waiting for dive to come back and reestablish themselves as you know one of if not like one of the definitive bands of its time one that really cultivated an audience and kept it um and you know continue to make good music and you know like for me is the is are that's probably always going to be my favorite dive album just because like I, i'm a sprawl person and I like the kind of diversity of it. But yeah, I'm excited to see what people think about this one. So the next big album announcement from the past week, Pearl Jam has a new album, Dark Matter, coming out April 19th. Uh, this album was produced by Andrew Watt, who uh, did the most recent Rolling Stones record. And he's like worked with Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, he basically works with aging rock bands and tries to make them sound modern. Like he's a guy and is like, I think he's like 33 years old. (laughs) And, you know, I think his approach is, um, I mean, clearly the old guys like the guy, you know, the old timers love this guy. I think his approach is like a little polarizing. He is a very slick Mm -hmm. sounding dude. Like his productions are like super glossy. And the single that came out this week, from Pearl Jam. It's called Dark Matter. I mean, I knew I was in trouble a little bit with this album because ahead of the uh, single, I forget who it was, it might have been Mike McCready was saying, people are going to be surprised by how heavy this record is. And I'm like, okay. When Pearl Jam is trying to prove like how hard they can rock on their late period records, I don't think that that is playing to their strengths. I think it kind of results in a lot of ham-fisted music from them. This single, I think, is I think the song is 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 okay. The production, though, to me, I don't know. I, I don't know if you listen to the song. To me, it sounds like verses if it was produced by Max Martin. <laughs> you know, it's very it, it it's very shiny in a way that doesn't really speak to me personally. So I don't know. I, I'm curious. I haven't heard this album. Uh, I've just heard the single. I don't even know what a Pearl Jam album means in 2024. And if, you, to be and if you're saying this, I mean, you're like the <laughs> you like literally wrote a, like a book about Pearl Jam, right. not just a book about Pearl Jam, but a book about Pearl Jam that actually takes uh, things they've made after 2002 into account. Right, right, and I like some of their late period albums. I I feel like they there's always at least like three or four songs that I that I like. I tend to like the slower songs. More than the fast songs. I just think the fast songs to me often don't work. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, but like when old bands try to like rock too hard, mm-hmm. you can tell. It's kind of like when you see someone who has obviously colored their hair because <laughs> it's like a totally unnatural shade of brown. 
and <laughs> there's no way they'd have that shade of brown hair. It feels a little like that, like you're overcompensating uh, for your age. Yeah, I. Th- but again, this the, the actual song I think is like is, is solid, and I know it'll sound great live because their songs always sound better live. Pearl Jam. I hope to see them in concert this year. They're going to be playing Wrigley Field. I'm hoping to get to like one of those shows. One of the shows is on my wedding anniversary, so I can't go to that, but the other one I'm going to try to go to. Um, so I know these songs will sound great live. The album, you know, wait and see, I guess. We'll see if it's any good. I'm, I don't have high expectations, though. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I had to point out is um, on a previous episode, you called the new Glass Beach album like if Tool was produced by Brendan O'Brien, which is exactly what this cover <laughs> art looks like. But I think the bigger thing right. is I don't I didn't know what Andrew Watt looked like until like I always figured he was like just kind of the, a, the Jack Antonoff for like 50 plus rock dudes. Um, have you seen a picture of Andrew Watt? I have, but for I can't remember what he looks like. He like if 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 there was like a show like what what's that show with Bobby Cannavale that like took place about the record industry? I know you vinyl. were into it. I wasn't into it. I was I was into hate. Watching okay, it. that was vinyl. Vinyl, was vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. Okay, so if there was like a show like vinyl, like for the two thousand tens. And you wanted to get, you wanted to create a producer who's going to come in for like the kind of, um, you know, like a band like Pearl Jam. You know, they they were popular, but they're kind of fading out of relevancy. And we want to get a guy in there who like can really, you know, spice things up. If you saw a picture of Andrew Watt, you'd be like, that's way too on the fucking nose. He's got, um, he in the most of the pictures I see, he's like leaned over like one of those big Gibson acoustic guitars with like the double pick guards, but he's got like a platinum blonde shaved haircut like enormous glasses um like a suit like from the you know 2014 era the 1975 i mean it's 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 like very much an la type of guy but like a 2016 la type of guy um he's perfect for his role but um, you just kind of wonder, though, if he's also sort of like Rick Rubin in that regard, where like rock band just like, OK, fine. The label says bring him in. We'll let him come in. We'll like deal with his bullshit and like just kind of well, move on. He's more hands on okay. than Rubin is, though. Like, yeah. he, like, like on the Stones record, like he co-wrote a couple oh. songs. And so he's like a musician and he, you know, he's not just like stroking his beard and with his eyes closed <laughs> and gently rocking his head like Rick Rubin does. Um my favorite story, I mean, I think I've said this on the show before, but my favorite story about Andrew Watt was during the making of the Stones record, he would come into the studio each day with a different Rolling Stones t-shirt on. <laughs> and I guess the idea was we're going to get Mick and Keith in the zone of like their classic era by showing him t-shirts from old tours. And I just feel like... He is like Rick Rubin. That's like a Rick Rubin thing. It's like mind games and yeah. like uh, vibe setting. But like, what, it's like, what's Keith Richards gonna? Yeah. Like, oh. What's he gonna do with that? Oh he, right, he, I'm he in the Rolling shit Stones. About your shirt? Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Know. I forgot. I forgot I that I'm Keith Richards. Damn. Thank you, Andrew. So Watt. I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing Andrew Watt was rocking the Stickman T-shirt <laughs> every day with, 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 with PJ, you know, to get Eddie Vedder uh, psyched up. Um, we should also probably talk about the biggest album. Uh, that was announced in the past week, and we've already alluded to it. The the new Beyonce record, Act Two, which uh, comes out March 29th, as we said. It's her country record. Supposedly. And she released... 
well, she released two songs from it. She's dressing like Leon Russell, <laughs> which is a very cool. curious. Because she's got like this, she's, she has like this wig that's like long white hair, and she's got like the cowboy hat on. I just immediately thought of Leon Russell when uh, I saw her. I don't know if anyone else has made that connection. If if real journalists are still allowed to interview Beyonce, I'd love them to ask her if she's into Leon Russell. Um, is this going to be the think piece, the, the think pieciest album of the year? It, absolutely. I feel like it. It's going to be like. I mean, there's already a lot of think pieces about this album. I just feel like the the pitch of think pieces is just going to grow and grow in intensity until we hit March 29th, and it'll be like the end of Oppenheimer. <laughs> you know, just a mushroom <laughs> cloud of think pieces uh, about this record. Um, I didn't mind the singles. I, I know there were like a lot of people who were like, oh, these songs are lame or I you know, I don't really dig this thing. I didn't mind it. Like hearing Beyonce with like banjos and stuff, I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. This kind of reminds me of like uh, music I heard when I was a really, really, really little kid, mm. which would have been like early 80s, like the Urban Cowboy oh, yeah, era. Yeah. Like pop country that was also kind of like a little disco-y and like very like you know pop mainstream type thing i was like i'm kind of getting those vibes a little bit from that and i have a soft spot for that kind of music so i don't know maybe i'll be writing my own think pieces <laughs> yeah i mean for me it's like the, the i mean the think piece obviously it's going to happen i do imagine a lot of people kind of interpolating uh the tracy chapman uh luke combs uh performance of fast car from the grammys just in terms of like you know, race and genre and country music. And, um, you know, because, gosh, I don't know if we talked about that, but, like, people were, like, acting like Tracy Chapman was, like, just somebody pulled out of a bus stop, like Joe Flacco in the playoffs, you know? Like, in, in when even though, like, she was very, very popular and, like, written about a lot and was wearing, like, Prada on stage. But um, now we have to contend with the fact, like, Beyonce, yes, is making country music, but is also a billionaire, um, so we have to kind of see it as like tourism, like, you know, genre tourism in a way. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think a lot, it's a lot of people are just going to write the work. Like if McSweeney's was like, uh, McSweeney's probably is still around. Maybe I'll do a McSweeney's pitch about like the top 10, like, uh, Renaissance two think pieces that got rejected by my editor or something. Is it Renaissance act two or just act two? Uh, I think it's Renaissance Act Two. I think that Renaissance is like a tr- a, tr- a trilogy. So okay. let's uh, let's assume it's Renaissance Act Two. Okay. Well, let's pivot off of that <laughs> and talk for a little bit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, nominees were announced this week, or was it last week? I think it was maybe late last week. Anyway, these are the nominees for the twenty twenty four. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You got Mary J. Blige, Mariah Carey, Cher, the Dave Matthews Band, Eric B. and Rakim, Foreigner, <laughs> Peter Frampton, Jane's Addiction, Cool and the Gang, Lenny Kravitz, Oasis, Sinead O'Connor, Ozzy Osbourne, Sade, and A Tribe Called Quest. Um, this week, I wrote a Ask a Music Critic column where someone asked me if I think Oasis will be inducted. Not whether they should be inducted, because of course, according to me, the answer is yes, but will they be inducted? So I prognosticated this dispassionately. I I went through the pros and cons. 
And it's interesting with Oasis because I think their pros are obvious. You know, they were a very successful band in their time. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they like success. So that's in their favor. They're a band that's still relevant to people. Like Wonderwall has been streamed on Spotify like 1.8 billion times. It's a 90s rock song that I think has translated to younger generations. Um, And also they're a band that I think scans as like archetypically rock and roll in a way that like bands that came after them don't quite emulate. You know, like the 1975, they've got some like rock and roll aspects to them, but I don't know. They're not rock and roll in the same way that Oasis is. Like they feel like a 90s band, but they also feel like a classic rock band in that regard. The negatives against Oasis, it's really like, this weird prejudice that the rock and roll hall of fame has against alt and indie leaning bands that started their careers after like 1983 or so. Like I wrote about this in my column, just the number of bands from like the eighties and nineties that have not been inducted yet is pretty staggering. Like every band in our band could be your life. There's 13 bands, you know, Sonic youth, Minutemen, replacements, Dinosaur Jr., none of them are in. Not even, like, hugely successful bands from this era are in. You know, Nine Inch Nails isn't in. Soundgarden isn't in. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, they're not in, right? I should, uh, I should yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not in. Um, Soundgarden isn't in. Um, you know, God, there's a whole long list. Uh, I think that our rock... Smashing yeah, Pumpkins they're, they're are in. in. Alice in Chains. Nine Inch oh, Nails Nine got Nails. in in 2020. Okay, so they're in. Smashing Pumpkins isn't in. Um, basically, like, most of the big alt-rock bands are not in yet. And, you know, you look here, like, Dave Matthews Band is nominated. Jane's Addiction is nominated. I'll be curious to see if they make it. I mean, the fact that, like, we're getting to Foreigner and Peter Frampton in terms of, like, 70s rock bands, I mean, it really shows how the Rock Hall is still looking to the 70s. Like now we're going for like the C, like the C tier acts, you know, like like Foreigner. Like, look, I love classic rock as much as anyone. Certainly more than probably like most music critics working today. Like, I don't think Foreigner should be in. I don't like Foreigner. Come on, jukebox heroes. Fucking, get that that's all fucking whips, man. Cold as cold oh. as ice. Sampled by MOP. I mean, hot blooded. Double bit, hot blooded, dirty sucks. white boy. <laughs> Look, I'm, hot blooded sucks. I'm just, I like the song Urgent. Yeah, that's a I good think song. The song Urgent is Look, good. I'm just thinking uh, of the that, Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode with the Foreigner belt. Like that alone should nominate them. But uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, Foreigner and Peter Frampton. I mean, Jane's Addiction. I mean, if you they like kind of like Oasis. If you're making the argument, they had like two good albums and like you know uh, not didn't really make music. Uh, you know, for the rest of their life, you can think of them that way. But yeah, I didn't realize how grim this was until I read your article. Cause like, I, it's so strange that like Nine Inch Nails is in, but not Soundgarden or Alice in Chains, you know, like, are, like, does the, I mean, you're a voter, right? I mean, do they see this stuff at like the nineties as like, you know, the version of the steroid era where like Alice in Chains is seen as like Ken Caminiti or something like that, or like Brady Anderson, there's a weird thing with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because there's been a definite shift toward looking outside of rock to put bands in. You know, like we're putting in Willie Nelson now and Dolly Parton and uh, you know, there's been more hip-hop groups getting in and 
that's great. You know, I I'm in favor of looking at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as not just a rock museum, but as like a popular music museum. I think that's a positive thing. But I do think that there's like this weird misconception that like, oh, we've already put in all the notable rock bands. <laughs> so we're done with that and let let's put in other genres. And again, like indie and alt rock from the eighties and nineties, I think is like pretty underrepresented. I mean like the Smiths aren't in. Huh. You know, like they're a pretty foundational band in modern musical history, no matter what you think of Morrissey, there's no denying, like, they're an important band. Like, Husker Du isn't in. You know, like, they're a great band. I already said the replacements aren't in. They're clearly a very relevant band. Any young rock band, there's a very good chance they're going to have some replacements influence in there. I mean, they're just, like, for indie rock, for, like, a certain kind of rock band, like, the replacements are might as well be the Beatles in terms of just people emulating them like Wilco isn't in you know like they've been eligible for a long time so like you know widely respected commercially successful bands you know these aren't obscure groups you know like they're well known but they're not even really even sniffing the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at this point so it's a really weird thing going back to Oasis do I think they will get in I do think they will get Mm. in I think I think the thing that about this year is that there aren't really any slam dunks on this ballot, I don't think there there isn't anyone like Tina Turner was a couple years ago. Where you like, okay, Tina Turner, she was already in with Ike and Tina Turner, but you're just like, oh, as a solo act though, like yeah, she's gonna be in. Um, I think that there's gonna be a big push for Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are gonna want to vote for her, so she's kind of the closest thing to a lock. I think Sinead O'Connor too is gonna be a big push for her. Sadly, it's going to come after she passed away. Although I, I could see her not even going to this if she were alive, uh, yeah. going to this induction ceremony. doesn't seem like her kind of thing. But like she could have a good shot. But I don't know. I think Oasis, they are famous enough. And I think that there is that relevance issue there. Maybe people in the organization are going to be like, hey, maybe they will actually get back together if <laughs> we induct them. Yeah, it's not Pitchfork. Ratings it's not Pitchfork Festival, but I think Oasis might consider it if it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know. So we'll see. I don't know. I've been disappointed many, 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 many times <laughs> by this organization. So if, they, if Oasis doesn't get in, I won't be shocked. But I, I do feel like they will probably get in. Um, I think we need. So we'll see. I think we need to mention the fact that like Liam uh, was on Twitter talking about like bumbaclarts, uh, which is like spelling of that word I've never seen before. You know, it's like it tops the Homer AI cover of uh, "Turn Red" for the best use of bumbaclot in 2024. Yeah, because like <laughs> Liam Gallagher was tweeting about this nomination, and he said that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is full of bumbaclarts. Bumba <laughs> yeah. Which, <laughs> I don't know what that way. What is that? What's a bumba? It's 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 a it's a, it's, a, it's, a uh, it's like a Jamaican patois term. Um, just you know, like it means exactly what you think it is. It's just like kind of like All a right. multi-useful cu- curse word. Um, I mean, right. you know Oasis better than I do. Do they have like any kind of give me some reggae type moments in their catalog, or maybe high flying birds or something like that? No, but I mean, you know, I'm sure Liam has smoked a ton of weed while listening to like Bob Marley or something. I mean, I, I'm sure that has happened, but thankfully that has not entered uh, the Oasis musical palette. The musical palette of Oasis is pretty narrow. You know, like, you know what they're going to do. They're great at it. And yeah, they're not going to go too far outside of that. Um, 
Let's go to our mailbag segment here. Uh, thank you all for writing in. It's always great to hear from our listeners. Uh, if you want to hit us up, we're at IndieCastMailbag at gmail.com. Um, Ian, you want to read our letter this week? Yeah. So uh, this uh, comes to us from Quinn, coming to us from Austin, Texas. And they are clear this is not quarterback uh, Quinn yours from uh, from the Longhorns. Be cooler if it was. Oh. I mean, uh, you know, kind of a Jason Kelsey sort of uh, college football IndyCast listener. Uh, my personal favorite album from 2019 was Jessica Pratt's Quiet Signs. I just loved how stripped down all the music was. It felt like something I hadn't heard before. With her new album coming out, I had to ask. Yay or nay on Jessica Pratt. Thanks, y'all. Keep up the good work. P.S. I love SportsCast, even though it's not the starting quarterback from the University of Texas. Keep it coming. All right. Thank you, Quinn, for writing in. And this is another big album announcement from mm-hmm. this week. Uh, Jessica Pratt uh, has her first new album in uh, five years. It's called Here in the Pitch. That'll be out May 3rd. That's another strong fantasy draft option for quarter two so put that in your scouting report um this is another album i've heard i've had the promo for a while i think it's really good it's about what you'd expect from jessica pratt she's not reinventing the wheel on this record uh but why would you want her to Uh, she's got her vibe it totally works Uh, i should mention that our good friend friend of the pod riley walker plays some guitar on this record uh he actually texted me about this album weeks ago and was like have you heard this record it's great and i was like no i haven't and then like the next day i got the promo so uh synchronicity going on there uh i'm i'm definitely a yay on jessica pratt um i love her music i've been a fan for a long time and i just appreciate how she's this enigmatic figure in a time where it just feels like even indie rock stars are omnipresent on social media. Like I you know, I've enjoyed her music for a long time. I don't think I know anything about her. You know, she is just like this enigmatic figure on album covers. You know, it's it's like she's always like in dark rooms by herself. You feel like oh something spooky <laughs> is going on here. I don't know what it is. But it's just vibes and vibes for days with Jessica Pratt. Really good songwriter. Love her voice. Um and like I said, she's got her thing. And she's not going to step outside of it probably, but you don't really want her to because it's very uniquely her. And again, I just love that she's a mystery. Like, Because who's a mystery now? Who is intriguing in a way where you're like, I really like this person's music, but they are a total mystery to me. That's what Jessica Pratt is. So yes, big time yay from me. Yeah, I feel like it was shaping up to be a Jessica Pratt kind of year. Uh, she already had some buzz. Uh, she was sampled on the Troy Savon album last year on uh, the new song seems to be doing quite well amongst the right people yeah this is like cooper flag status for the next fantasy draft i am very very high on how this one's gonna do um and yeah i like i like her past work i don't return to it very often which i think works in her favor like this is the sort of artist that benefits from like coming around once every five years it's like oh yeah like you know because there's something otherworldly and mysterious about her work and you know, if she put out albums every two years of this nature, I think maybe people would maybe start to take it for granted. Um, you know, if we don't get a Joanna Newsom album this year, this might scratch a similar itch for people in that regard. They, they're very, very different in their artistry, but it's the same sort of, yeah, we actually like the fact that we don't know a ton about this person. And 
you know, they they're they are like kind of the opposite of what people expect from singer songwriters in 2024. So I think we're both pretty obvious. It's kind of, I can't imagine being nay on Jessica Pratt. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she's pretty yeah unassailable. I think at this point, and yeah, it just makes me wonder like, what is Jessica Pratt doing in the space between records? Like, I just wonder. Like, is she, like, living in a castle somewhere? Is she, like, walking down, like, rain-soaked streets, like, in some European city? Like, I just have so many imagined adventures that Jessica Pratt is having between these records. I just think maybe she's listening to IndieCast. That's true. (laughs) She's probably just, like, chilling with, with, like, a cup of coffee at a, a, you know, at her kitchen table doing a crossword puzzle. It's probably not as, like romantic as i'm imagining but again that's the magic of jessica pratt she may be in a castle somewhere you never know um all right we have another uh email in our mailbag this week this one we've like kicked the can on (laughs) i I feel like every week because we always run out of time this is like the matt damon on jimmy kimmel bit for us we keep kicking this letter off the show but like we like this letter and we've already kind of figured out what we want to say about it so we're going to finally do it this week This email, it comes from Jason in Johnson City, Tennessee, and uh, this is what he says. So, this question comes from my thoughts on a discussion on a recent episode of Endless Scroll, which it's not that recent, I guess, at this (laughs) point. This might have been like in November or something. Um, And it's about Zoomers unironically enjoying the aesthetic of Creed and other butt rock bands from the early 2000s. This conversation got me thinking, have we undersold the innovations made by bands like Creed? I remember as a high school freshman loving the walls of warm, highly melodic guitar on those Creed records. At the time, it was fashionable to say that Creed was ripping off Pearl Jam, mainly because Scott Stapp sounds like a parody of Eddie Vedder. But I think that's lazy. Creed somehow melded grunge and metal with a pop sensibility in a way that was highly palatable to the largest group of listeners. I'm not saying that Creed was good. (laughs) But, 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 and there's always a but, do we not give them enough credit for pioneering a short-lived genre of mass appeal hard rock for normal people? Thanks for the podcast. First thing I listen to every Friday. And that's, again, that's Jason from Johnson City, Tennessee. So Jason, he's not saying Creed was good. Yeah. <laughs> but are we not giving them enough credit for their innovations? What say you, Ian? Uh, I think this guy is saying that Creed is good. And you know what? Like, hi. Yeah, just say they're good, Jason. Yeah, Come on, fucking man. Fucking own it, dude. You're, you're copping out yeah. here. You got to commit to it. Like, we know you want to say that they're good. But you just can't quite bring yourself to do it. We're not judging you. If you think they're good, just say they're good. Yeah, and I don't know if, like, this... Like, with so many things with TikTok these days, it might just be, like, this small subset of people who, you know, and they just happen to get interviewed. So I'm sure there are people who unironically like Creed. Me, higher in my own prison, kind of go hard. I like them in the same way. I like Three Doors Down's Loser or This Is How You Remind Me. But, you know, in terms of innovation, like one thing I appreciate about Pearl Jam and really bands from, or no, about Creed and like bands from this era is that they have no illusions about the fact they were ripping off Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains. It's not like, you know, uh, Interpol, like Paul Banks would say, yeah, we didn't really listen to that much Joy Division or like Julian Casablanca saying, yeah, we're really into Guided by Voices and Built to Spill. I mean, there was a band called Godsmack that was super popular at that time and they sound exactly like Alice in Chains. And, um, but I do think that you're right in terms of, 
like innovation it's not like someone comes out comes out like a bolt of blue like this music you've never heard before i think creed really did take what they needed from pearl jam but also christian rock and that is kind of a pioneering sort of thing because you know there is something spiritual about rock music in general and pearl jam specifically and you know they just kind of did it like uh florida styley you know uh and also uh this has led me down the rabbit hole of finding out that uh, Scott Stapp was set to play Frank Sinatra in an unreleased movie about Ronald Reagan. I think that, that oh, yeah. with uh, I think Dennis Quaid is the uh, is the lead in this movie. So look, right. I, I don't think I think at this point, like you know, Creed is sort of seen as like a '90s band in the same way that like um, you see like the like Weezer and the Pixies touring together. Like, when you get enough distance, you could think all these bands are kind of on the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think... Well, okay, let me just address the central issue here where we're saying that it's lazy to say that Creed ripped off Pearl Jam. <laughs> they absolutely did rip off it's Pearl accurate. Jam. It's okay, that accurate. That's a fact, okay? That's what they did. What Creed did, and I don't think this is innovative necessarily, but I think it is canny. I'll say that they're canny here to recognize that Pearl Jam sold a lot of records on their debut record 10, making a record that sounded like a metal record essentially, but had a lot of pop elements and also enough alternative rock elements to make it feel like it wasn't a metal record. But if you go back and listen to 10, like especially the way that record is produced, it sounds more eighties than Mm -hmm. nineties, especially compared to like the albums they made after that, with Brendan O'Brien, which like are very 90s sounding. I think 10 sounds like a record that came out in 88 or 89. And I think Creed, they saw the 10 template, and they're like, well, Pearl Jam isn't making albums like this anymore. Like They're not making songs that sound like Alive, and Even Flow, and Black. They're making like No Code. Mm-hmm. You know, these more sort of experimental, anti-commercial records. But there's still a huge audience for like, those old Pearl Jam type songs. So it's like, why don't we just do that and add like a little bit of like the black album into it? Like Uh. just make the riffs a little bit heavier, but with the same sort of like sort of melodrama to the, to the delivery, you know? And I think that's what they did. They took a little bit of 10, a little bit of the black album and they put them together. And it's like, yeah, those are two of the biggest albums of the nineties. Like, I don't think that's like a genius idea. I think it's just like you are, canny enough to take advantage of a huge audience that really isn't being serviced by the bands that originally created that template. So I think that's what Creed did. You know, I don't think that they're good, (laughs) but I don't hate them really. And like, if I'm at a Buffalo Wild Wings and I've had a couple of Miller lights and higher comes out, I'm not going to hate it. I'm going to have a good time. So that in that environment, I would enjoy them, but yeah, they absolutely ripped off Pearl Jam. I think they ripped off Metallica too. A lot of Christian rock. I think that they were canny. They were not innovative. Yeah, and the funny thing is nowadays you could you could probably talk to a lot of uh, big time like country artists like who make not like not the ones who well even the ones who maybe like kind of make quasi rap country music, but they'll say Creed like was really innovative. Like if you talk to those guys, they'll probably say that to be true. And I think that um, you know Creed. They're funny in a way that Live was, you know, like Live kind of similarly took that lane that was left open when uh, R.E.M. and uh, Pearl Jam 
wanted to make a little more exotic sounding music. So, uh, yeah, it's just canny. Um, and you know, it's the same way with like, I kind of like the early killers when, uh, you know, some of the bands from like the new rock revolution wanted to get a little arty. They were just kind of service or Kings of Leon, you know, it's like, we are going to serve this. We are going to serve this population. And look, yeah, that's good to, business. We don't need we don't need to bring the killers into the Creed conversation. <laughs> you know, we gotta let's 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 sequester yeah. them. I meant Kings of Leon. I think King, Kings of Leon is probably who I was talking about, really. We've now reached the part of the episode that we call Recommendation Corner, where we talk about something that we're into this week. Ian, why don't you go first? All right, so uh, I want to give first a quick shout-out uh, to Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids. He's, his uh, debut memoir, Red Letter Days, comes out. it came out, and it's a great book, and I'm looking forward to seeing him perform at a coffee shop in San Diego uh, next week, which will be great. But otherwise, I want to talk about um, a band called Frico. They're from Chicago. Uh, they have a new album out this Friday, which I'm going to be writing about. They're from that same kind of scene that produced Horse Girl and Lifeguard. And um, I like this album a lot more than those ones because the bands I mentioned, they sound like Sonic Youth and Blonde Redhead and every 40-year-old critic's like, the kids are all right. Yeah, this band sounds like Yuck or like Diet Blonde Aerosmith Westerns to very uh, IndyCast Hall of Fame type inclusions. Uh, great melodies, lots of energy, and also kind of maybe the sense that like this is a lightning in the bottle moment where maybe they're going to get a little too professional or self-conscious going forward. But um, yeah, I, where we've been, where we're going, uh, Frico, great album. Um, I think it's just really one of those things that's going to be, you know, it's not going to be like a top 10 because it's super important, but it might be like one of the albums you listen to the most in 2024. So I've dabbled in this album, you know, cause I've been, Getting tons of PR emails about this band, <laughs> and it hasn't it hasn't totally moved me yet. It hasn't grabbed me, but your recommendation is inspiring me to go back and, and check it out. And I definitely like the idea of there being a yuck or diet blonde era Smith Westerns equivalent in 2024. That definitely you you know what to say to get me interested, and that gets me interested. Um, I want to do a shout out in my recommendation corner to Damo Suzuki, the great singer of the pioneering german band can uh he passed away a week ago on february 9th and i just feel like this is a good opportunity to remind people maybe the young people out there who have not dipped into can yet uh that this really is like one of the great bands of the last 50 years one of the most influential i think certainly in the indie rock space uh demo was the lead singer of can on probably their three best albums and that would be uh, Tago Mago, Iga Bamyasi, and Future Days. And look, look, I clearly don't say those album titles <laughs> out loud very often, but they're all great records. They're all classics. They're all essential. Uh, if you know the song Vitamin C, which is in Inherent Vice, and it pops up in various other contexts, that's uh, Demo Suzuki singing on that song. And you can hear just how unique he was as a vocal presence, where it really wasn't about, like, conventional rock vocals or you know delivering lyrics it was really treating his voice as like another instrument in the mix and there's just no other singer like him totally unique and of course after can he had a long and illustrious career of collaborating with other people uh that's a sprawling catalog that you can dip into and a lot of interesting music there 
I would also suggest dipping into the live albums that have come out um, from Cannes in recent years. There's been this archival series that has just been awesome to keep up with. There's actually uh, a Cannes live album, Live in Paris, 1973, that's going to be out next week. I haven't heard it yet, but I'm going to recommend it anyway <laughs> because a Cannes live album from 1973, you can't go wrong with that kind of record i know it's going to be great i'm excited to hear it but the other live records that can have put out really great a lot of improvised music on those records so like if you've listened to the studio records front and back over and over many many times the live records might be sort of like a fresh re-entry point into can's catalog again just a wonderful band can't recommend recommend them enough and look damon suzuki one of the greats r.i.p had to shout him out here at the end of the episode. Yeah, that's there's nothing more indie cast like uh, our our kind of uh, mode than like knowing all the can albums, but like not knowing how to pronounce them. Yeah, ex- well, exactly because like how often? <laughs> Never. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I, like can does not come up in conversation when I'm with people in my life. Same. So <laughs> it's like I don't know if I've ever actually said those album titles out loud. Thank you all for listening to this episode of IndieCast. We'll be back with more news, reviews, and hashing out trends next week. And if you're looking for more music recommendations, sign up for the Indie Mixtape Newsletter. You can go to uprocks.com backslash indie, and I recommend five albums per week, and we'll send it directly to your email box. (laughs) 